episode 70 of Board Games with Variant Hex is all about our Board Game of the Month for August 2022. I'm Kelly, and in this episode, Adam, Aaron, and I talk about what we played in August. We did this one a bit early and have a scattered energy, but we got there. You'll hear what we've been playing, what we're calling, what we want to play more, and each of our picks for Game of the Month. Without further ado, I'll turn it over to Adam, Aaron, and myself talking about what we played in August. August. September. We're not listing months, though. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. We're stating that this is August, month in review. Sometimes we don't record it until it's actually like the literal end of the month or sometimes the beginning of the next month. But today it's the 27th. So we're kind of... We're probably not going to play anything in the next four days. That's not true. You think? No, I just was... I don't know. Okay. Adam and I are currently playing things on Board Game Arena. Oh, I am not. That we don't really understand. Oh, not at all. I'm excited to see if I was right on guessing an animal. Though. <laughs> oh, yeah. We started playing Similo. And you could either use the same deck of cards for the guesses or different ones so i think that we're looking at animals but guessing with wild animals it's something like that i guess you could do it with animals but then use like historical figures as the cards you use to give clues with it gets weird Boy, yeah yeah it gets weird that's interesting it seems like utter nonsense anywho we start with reviewing the month then we will do back to the table the game we want to play more we'll do call action which is the game that we maybe want to get rid of the box of games we want to get rid of yeah this month it is a box of games and uh game of the month which is just what each of us awards our personal game of the month so starting off with month in review i'm gonna go over my stuff real quick so i played 30 different games a total of 56 plays those games are decorum scout Town 66, Cat in the Box, Turing Machine, Dandelions, Into Deep, Flamecraft, Big Easy Busking, First Empires, Blazon, Disney Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, Garden Bow, The Guild of Merchant Explorers, Arcana Rising, Land and Sea, Tricky Tides, Baron Park, Dice Hunters of Therion, Garden Nation, Juggle vs. Hyde, Tigers and Euphrates, Next Station London, Longboard, Hammer Time, Tesla vs. Edison, Duel, Downtown Farmer's Market, Gift of Tulips, Bag of Chips, Sunny Day Sardines. Aaron played most of those. Yeah, I didn't play, for example... And then you know what? I just listed those. Well, I didn't play Jekyll and Hyde. But I said that I was pretty sure that the ones that we played on Board Game Arena should be on here, and I don't feel like I just read them out, did You said I? Jekyll and Hyde, which was a BGA game. And you no, said no, no. Garden Nation as well. No, sorry. I said Board Game Arena out loud. In my head, I was thinking Tabletop Simulator. Oh, so Princes of Florence we played this month. Right. When did we play? Nope. That was July. Oh, was it last month? Just oh. kidding. That was July. So we would have already hypothetically talked about it. Nope, that was July. July 23rd. Go back and rethink my game of the month. Yeah, I hope that wasn't it. It wasn't. Okay. <laughs> so I would like to go ahead and uh, take Longboard Hammer Time as my future hip-hop artist name as well, I think. Okay. I think, I think okay. half of that is trademarked. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the games that I played. Adam, we played a couple things on Board Game Arena were there other things that you have been playing this month that you'd like to share? So I have officially decided to stop playing a game, I think, this month. Oh, okay. That game is Catan on oh. Board Game Arena. Yeah. I was, I was going to guess, and that was going to be my guess. I, I like the game, but I just don't like it on there because it just takes too long. 
It's just, it's, mm. I'm always thinking I'll just play a quick game of Catan because it could be a quick game of Catan, but it's never a quick game of Catan. It's an hour <laughs> and a half of just people offering, hey, I want brick and no one has brick. And finally somebody, never me, just yells at them, no one has brick, pass the turn. <laughs> like there's no rule that you have to pass oh, your turn right. until like time it. runs out. Okay. Ugh. So it's probably better with people you know. Than all of the strangers yeah, on the internet. Yeah, because you can yell at them more freely because mm-hmm, you know them. Mm-hmm. This is true. Played forty-two times. Forty-two times. Board game arena. And you've Ooh. you've quit at arriving upon the secret to the universe and everything. Yeah, I only won eight times. Eight times out of forty-two. You played four players each yeah, time. Yeah, no, it's either three or four. I never set the parameters. I I come in second a lot. Like I'm really good at getting second online. Actually, you know what? Their statistics. Let me see if that's even true or not. I average seven point four victory points. That probably seems right. Yeah, for a second. It's a lot of numbers. I don't know. This isn't <laughs> it's hard. translating it's hard. to good rate. You know, like I'm like I'm not gonna sit here and read the thousand stats that it has. So the game we played the most was decorum. Aaron will be right back. He had to step out to talk about that. As far as games that we added to our collection, this month was Gen Con, which is very obvious for us. And if you've listened to any other episode of this podcast lately, that's what they've been about. That meant we bought a lot of games. And then also for games that we're going to sell, I wasn't trying to do a one game, one, one game in, one game out system, but that is sort of how it went. When we got back home, I think maybe even on Sunday, I just looked at all the games on the shelf and completely on instinct pulled out the ones that were like, nope, you're not cool enough anymore. And I'm not as excited about you as I am about these new games that I have coming in. Now, that could still mean we get around to actually playing everything that we bought and there are some of them that we don't like as much as what we have, but I kind of don't want to keep having a collection that grows, but I do like playing new games and discovering new games. So we're kind of churning right now. So there were about, and I don't know about full games, there were somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 things that were bought. There is a Board Game Geek list that will be in the episode description that's a link to everything we picked up at Gen Con. I'm going to kind of put comments on those two as we play them. I haven't put too many comments yet. And I might make a separate list of everything that's leaving our collection and why and kind of start doing that from time to time so yeah we added a lot to the collection check the link in the episode description to see what we picked up and there was also aside from that the castles of mad king ludwig big super kickstarter finally came it's been a couple years waiting on that one so that was added and then um mechanical beast and mckee i don't know how you actually say it m-a-q-u-i-s oh maquis maquis it could be a lot of things that came from Kickstarter. I'm looking around me. I kind of think maybe one other thing showed up randomly from Kickstarter. So that was a few other things that just happened to be added though. They were bought ages ago, happened to be added to the collection this month as well on top of the Gen Con stuff. So nothing sold yet, but they're all boxed up. We went to Donuts and Dragons and they're doing a like game drive, like you would do a book drive for one of the local school districts. So I'm thinking, oh. I don't know that I want to donate all of them. I can't decide like how many do I want to donate? How many do I want to sell? But I might, uh, and maybe ones that are even more school or kid appropriate, like the little younger kind of theme to them. I might drop those off instead of just straight up selling them. And We're not giving Twilight Imperium to the school children. 
I don't have Twilight Imperium. It was just the first especially inappropriate game for because oh. of be, because of its length and the length of a school day. Oh, I don't know if they're playing them during school. I don't know really why they're using them. There were a lot of mediocre games in that pile, which is fine. They're like, they're free games that people are giving to these kids. Because we're getting rid of games that are good. They just aren't going to be part of this collection here in this house, but perfectly good games. We'll see how that goes. So they're boxed up in the other side of the room. And then as far as where and who we played games with, well, play games with Adam on Board Game Arena. Adam played games with strangers on Board Game Arena, played yep. lots of Catan. Uh, we played games at Gen Con, at Donuts and Dragons here in Indy, as well as... Indie Coffee Roasters. Indie Coffee Roasters. I guess we played a game at Giordano's uh, right after Gen Con, but that really feels oh, basically yeah. like the same. That was super fun. We also played a game at Fat Dan's, and the the server was very impressed with the Yeah, we game. played Sunny Day Sardines at Fat Dan's, and uh, she was like, oh, you brought your own game. That's great. And we are like, you have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> That's, there's not a lot of table space at Fat Dance as well. That's pretty impressive. I mean, it's just well, a little card game. There. It was a little card game, but then also it wasn't busy. So if it's busy at Fat Dance, oh, okay. you absolutely don't have any table space. But we really, we were at a four-person table playing a very small card game. Oh, so we okay. had more than enough space for the fries and mini corn dogs and what have you on one half of the table as we finished up our game. It was, it was pretty good times. I don't know if we played anywhere else out. That's a good point. I had I forgot about Fat Dance. I, that's all I can recall. I mean, we'll, we'll say that's we'll say that counts. So moving on to maybe Piata. We played a game at Piata. We played Dandelions at Piata. You're doing a great job. I will not. I have any coffee roasters in the BG Stats app. I have Gen Con in there as the locations, but I don't actually list every single place in there like separately so there's one category that's just out meaning oh. we just played it somewhere that's not one of the other locations so there were some games that were listed under out but uh yeah i don't you can't you can't capture everything back to the table moving on to oh yeah next segment aaron what game would you like to play more i love trick-taking games can the box is an interesting take on oh. a trick-taking game there's the declaring Trump. There's it, it adds. You know, I think anytime that you have this new, uh, a new trick-taking game with a new mechanic, it just adds elements of strategy that are both familiar and exciting and new. Uh, like there's de there's definitely concepts from all of my other trick-taking experience that helped me to be to feel comfortable in that game. And then there's also like things that are new you need to account for, and then different nuances. And we've only played it twice, and yeah. I want to play it a lot more. It is super fun. We played it wrong the first time. The second time, more confident in the rules, we, when we played again, I didn't like it more. And it was what we had incorrect that was most impactful was how you end up, because the cards have no suit on them. You get to determine that. But then there's uh, mechanisms to control when and how you play off suit. Mm -hmm. And I think we kind of had them inverted, yeah, so basically. We, I, I just read the rule incorrectly. So the first time we played it, when you played off suit, you had you had to kind of disallow yourself from playing the suit that you just played for the rest of the game. Yeah. Which is opposite. And it didn't really feel right, but I was like, um, maybe that's just what it worked. Okay, now you're saying it didn't even feel right. It's what it takes to make this game work. But the actual rule is 
when you play off suit, you have to mark the suit that you didn't play, the, so, the suit you didn't yeah. follow. And then you don't get to play it ever again. You don't get to play that suit ever again. So it's as yeah. if you were playing a trick-taking game and you're saying, oh, I'm out of Because this we color. also weren't doing it that you couldn't play it again. You couldn't play it ever again. You, you just couldn't. Trump. Uh, you couldn't you play couldn't off with it. play off with it ever again the first time. Which made trumping weird. And Yeah, it made it all weird. It's still like, I, I will say that I was the most excited for it before I played it. And I don't think that that is still true. Out of all the games, it's not the one that's still the most exciting for me. So I think it cooled just in the implementation of it. And it does kind of have to do with how you play offsuit. Like, uh, I kind of don't necessarily care for any of that. Well, that doesn't really speak to my prospects of getting to bring it to the table more. It doesn't sound great as we are here a lot. And it does have two-player. Did Have we played it two-player, though? Um, I don't, think, I don't think so. We I think we played it with who we play it with. Well, we played it online, so we played a tabletop simulator version with mm-hmm. Adam and Jason, mm-hmm. and then we played in person, oh, and that was time we yeah. played incorrectly with Razor and Ruel. That's right. Yeah, it was still like I enjoyed playing incorrectly. I mean, maybe chalk that up to the company. I think I, you know, maybe I, I'll just. I enjoyed the game better as Con, as the rules were written. It, it, it spoke. It, it felt more like a traditional trick taking game. Right, and I'm yeah. sure I'm not saying I'm not really saying that the way the rules are written are worse. I just think that I wasn't expecting that dimension in the description of the game, and that's why I'm maybe not as excited about it. I don't know, Adam. What did you think? So I only played it the second time, which was I guess the correct way. So mm-hmm. I have no comparison of this, sure. but I will say I will play the game the way I played it that time which is to pretty aggressively use the trumping of things. And I know I'm going to lose and I'm going to keep playing that way. So I'm not like excited to play knowing I'm going to lose because it's just really fun to ruin other people's plans, even if it's at my own demise. Now, Chaos Cat. And I'll say um, being the, 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 the person who would much prefer that everyone at the table not intentionally nerf their chances to win and to create a more uh, balanced, traditional trick-taking game experience, I, I think uh, I'm just going to give you some advice if you want to be the seeker of chaos. Towards the end of that game, your actions became predictable, and then I just incorporated those well e- easily into my plan. So you're going to need to make good play with bad play if you want to make me upset. No, I'm not even trying to make you upset. That's just how I'm going to play this game. Oh, I just right. like to take tricks. People go, oh, I'm going to play this high card. I'm going to say, nope. It's going to feel good for a moment. I'm going to get that little shot of cortisol in my brain. It's going to feel good, and I'm going to go all of my day. It does It does take some of the end game strategy. Like, the, the Trump are just gone. And so the end of the hand sort of play themselves when Adam plays. And, and I will say this, to from the feedback you gave about the first time you played, was like, oh, in, the game never went to, like, the last couple, or the round never went to, like, the last couple cards when you played with the two other mm-hmm. people in, in real life. Mm-hmm. But I feel like ours regularly did. We yeah. were down to yeah. like the last couple of cards pretty consistently, which yeah, I don't we were know creating means, paradoxes more regularly. It's different. Yeah. Before. Yeah. 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 Which I, I, maybe I thought that was also, maybe that's what I thought was more fun about it. Was, we still got paradoxes somewhat frequently in arts, but it was yeah. like the paradox at the very last card, as Adam suggested. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Adam, what game do you want to play more of that you played this month? I want to play more Baron Park. Okay. Because I played it terribly. All I did was build a bunch of outhouses and water slides, and that's not how you make a park. No. Um, I, I miss the element where you can like expand your park and then get really cool big stuff that you did. I looked over at your park. There's like golden tubes and I wish like some I could sort say of like I knew an what animal I was petting doing. area. 
Yeah. So, Neither one of work. us go into a board game arena game. There's there's hundreds of things to play on there, and we never go into it knowing the rules first. Very rarely are we playing games we've actually played before or, or bothered to learn because it'll just tell you you can't do things. So I was just picking tiles and placing them, and it kept giving me more places to place tiles and at one point adam asked you how are you doing that i'm like i don't know i don't i don't know i just i'm trying to cover up everything nicely for this tile placement game but yeah i think people say that it is i'm now gesturing over to aaron llama land i think it's the is it the same person that did both oh so you're kind of like a tile laying sort of thing all right llama land's fun yeah, I want to think that I've heard that before. So it's sort of like if you're looking for tile laying and more polyomino tile laying, I think those can kind of kind of go in together. But yeah, it was it's a nice game. I think there's something relaxing about tile placement games. I think it's good implementation as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Tile laying on a computer. It tells mm-hmm. you now you pick this tile. You know, in your case, oh, please pick another wondrous amusement. Uh-huh, Adam, uh-huh. please pick another outhouse. You yeah. know, so a little different that way. But but in general, it's telling you what you do next and just the default, everything locks into place, all that mm-hmm. stuff. I do like Yeah, there's no uh, bumping the of the board on the internet, which is usually a nope. bit of a problem for polyomino stuff. So my back to the table, I think I'm going to say, what did you say again? Uh, oh, cat, you said cat, cat in the box. box. I think I'm going to say Tricky Tides. Oh, trick-taking again, but trick-taking Pick Up and Deliver. It was trick-taking Pick Up and Deliver. We just played it today in two players. You have a 4 by 3 maybe, or 4 by 4 grid. I think it's 4 by 4 And each card represents like an island, but when you play with... Uh, each player has kind of like two islands that they could start from. So when you just play with two people, that means four of the islands are flipped over to their open seaside. And then you have islands for each of these like little monsters, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and we didn't really play with the, there's kind of an optional thing you can add in for monsters. We just played the most vanilla basic two-player version of the game. And you get a hand of cards that have like suits to them, colors and numbers. They correspond with the monsters. They course, do they correspond with the monsters? Yeah, they sure do. They're little colors. Like there's little monsters oh, on the suits. Oh, that are on the, each suit. Okay, well, there you mm-hmm. go. Uh, it's not necessary to know that to play because I played the whole game. Had no idea. When you do the trick-taking, your card has a compass on it with certain directions highlighted, and those are the directions in which you can move your ship. Doesn't change for the number that you have. You can always just move it once to the next island through open seas if that's what's there. So it's this blend of, like at eight, you can move any direction, and a one, mm. you can move one direction. one direction. You know what? I bet on the twos, you can move two directions and so forth. You know what? I, I'm pretty sure that's accurate. It's making a lot of sense. So that you can move diagonal sometimes. You are going to these different islands. So you're trying to, when you're playing your card, yes, you're trying to follow suit and maybe try to win the trick so you can lead the next one. But then you're also trying to figure out which islands do I need to go to to pick up cubes so I can deliver them to another island that has a contract that I can fulfill and then keep as points for the end of the game. You play three rounds. So you play all the you play six of the eight cards. Six I think? of the eight cards. So it's eighteen. You, you get play dealt. eighteen cards. You so 18 you play turns. eighteen turns total. And you're just moving your ship around, collecting things onto your ship board, which can hold maybe seven cubes, I think. Mm-hmm. When you move, you can pick up or deliver. And you have one anchor token where you can like stop in place and uh, stay where you are instead of having to move because you're a card. So we played the most vanilla basic two player version. 
you can add in monsters that just like give these other powers of basically moving goods around to kind of change what's there. Cause otherwise you just refill the goods once every round. And then what was the other power? The other like little expansion thing. Oh, the, the events. So every round you can pull out an event where it might let you sail like around the world, so to speak. So when you get to the end of the map, you can sail back over to the other side. You might be able to sail two spaces instead of just sailing one space. So I think I want to get that one back because I always like to play the most, just the straight up basic version of the game first before adding in the extra stuff. Uh, I think at two players, especially those extra things will give it a little more interest and you won't kind of feel like I'm just sort of stuck with a mediocre hand of cards. You can have like, there's definitely empty turns, especially in two player. I'm excited for tricky tides. It's for me, it's more of a pick up and deliver is more prominent in the game than the trick taking. But the trick-taking is still pretty impactful. And there are right. definitely ways. A strategy I picked up later in our playthrough was like, hey, if I have a number, that ha- like a low number that has a direction that I want to go, I might play that now, lose the lead, but be prevented from being forced to play this low number later in the game when I may or may not right. want to go that direction. Especially if your hand, if you have that low number, but you also have some higher value cards Which in did. your hand. Right. Because if you still just have all low value stuff, then sacrificing that lead and not being able to set your own course freely does change it a lot. Now, I also think it's plays two to four. I don't know that I would want to play with all the extra stuff with four people because just four people, it goes in the order that the trick was one, right? Mm -hmm. So if someone leads an eight, someone else plays a seven on suit, it would go eight, seven. Someone plays a six off suit, it would go to them next. Then a three off suit would go to that person next. So if you play kind of a middle level card and you go like second, like the eight was led, then you play a five you don't have a good sense of where you're actually going to fall in that hand, what you're actually going to be able to pick up or not. Um, And then you also have a little bonus card just for you where certain contracts, there's four, the four monsters are on the, on the contracts just kind of randomly. And you get bonuses for the ones that you deliver matching that one. So your card will have like three for dragons, two for whales, one for octopus and no bonus for sharks. Right. When you think about that and playing with other people and kind of not knowing where you can go and the fact that you're going to be limited. I don't know. Maybe that's why it's better to play with the extra things with extra people. You're just describing all the reasons why I want to play with more people. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. And it was just a, apparently the game's not in print anymore. We were at the 25th century games booth, I think is the, is where we got it. And they said they just found a box of them and brought it, them. It was and $10. It was only, yeah. It's, it, it's gotta be the best $10 game. It, it, there, there can't be many more $10 games yeah. that we're going to like more than that game. And it still is just cards, a few little wooden components. So it's not like a fancy edition. It could have been a bigger box game with fancier uh, components, but it's a, like a small square okay. kind of game. Um, so yeah, I think I'm interested to do, try that one again and see what it's like. Tricky tides. Yes. And I think I was last for back to the table. Yes. So now collection. So whether you really own it or not, I'm going to say for this one, usually it is a game that we actually own because that's what we were playing. But whether you own it or not, what game are you like, nah, I think that's, I think that's enough. So I think a testament to your research leading into Gen Con and the quality with which you approach all of the board gaming things that we endeavor to do ends up with the truth of the matter being that none of the games we bought and have played 
would be in my call list. I That's very good. much liked all the games we purchased. So I'm going to pick a game that we played at Gen Con that if we had purchased, I would be ready to get rid of, mm-hmm. which is Longboards. And oh, I feel like yeah. And it, it was, was kind of, it was a consideration. We thought we might get it. And it was a fine game, but in the scope of all the games... I, it's just it, fine. it's just a game it's just a game because you you have it's a card game there are long boards on them but that hardly matters it's basically just a playing card type yeah. card game there's numbers there's colors yeah the theme you're could grouping be them together marios it, it could be, be literally anything anything that you wanted it to be and i also think in that i like just a nicely themed game even if it's kind of uh, something that could have been done in, in another way I honestly felt like the longboard theme actually opening the box inside wasn't as even good as it could have been. It felt like, you know, not super exciting or not a lot of depth to it either. So, yeah, that's true. I I didn't care for that much either. No. Adam, what game are you thinking you don't need to keep playing? So I think taking some inventory on, uh, you know, personal items here, I think I'm actually going to be calling some games. Ooh, uh, interesting. So well, timely. share them, please. So I think it's finally time to get rid of Captain Sonar. Oh. I don't think I'm ever going to actually be like when we get together in person, I don't think that's ever the game we're going to pick. And I'm just not going to make seven friends who want to simulate a submarine right. scenario, I don't think. Like, I, I just think right. that's a bit of a reach. And I think that's just better to go to, to a store that will give me some sort of credit so I can buy something else. I think, right. like, if we had a soundboard, I would want to play, like, a funeral song because I think that you have made very compelling and reasonable arguments, and I'm sad for, for you and the, yeah. and the Captain Sonar. Yeah. It's all right. I think for what it is, it is hard to... As people will say, it's hard to get to the table because it's such a unique game. It's not too much like anything else. It's like real-time team versus team. So that's like the same reason that you would want to keep it because it's so unique and interesting and good. It's the same reason that's going to make it so hard to play it and then make it worth keeping and keeping up space. And it probably is best with a full eight people. And I think if you're not part of because we're not part of like any local game group or go to some game nights. I think you'd have to do that sort of thing to even give it a chance to come out a few times a year. So, or yeah, maybe conventions, something like that. Maybe it's a game that's just good for conventions and hard to have in your personal collection. I figured if I ever end up in that position where I'm with seven other people that want to play it, someone Mm. else has that game. (laughs) Like if that's happening, I don't have to have the game. Right. right, they have the game. They right. have a nautical hat, some right. sort of you know other accoutrement to go with it. So, right, yeah. you're expecting them to bring the six of eight, and you're the plus one. Like they already have six Correct. people who are kind of in this groove about this game. Yeah, I think it also could be a game where you have a game group that plays a lot, but as a group, you don't have a lot of games. Like I see, like Twilight Imperium that way too. If you have a game group that plays a lot but you guys don't have a lot of games. You might have games like that that are super unique and take a lot of depth. Root, Earth, things yeah. like that, Oath. Yeah, I think Root, yeah. Root is tough if you're going to play a ton of different games because it itself right. is like four games. Yeah, yeah. And I think that Captain Sonar is is kind of that way too. There's like yeah. distinct roles in that. And then another level of how you're going to work as a team. But it was, I mean, because we played it once, certainly. And I don't know if we played yeah. it more than that. It is... Very well done. Interesting, like exciting to open the box and see all the stuff and set that little screen up in between the two oh, super. sides. Yeah, that's why I wanted to play a funeral song. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, good, good memories, but I think it's time for it to go. What's what's uh what That's Kelly? What fair. are you? I mean, there's a big box over there of games you could talk about. What's making the podcast? Right, and I think I don't. I think that I'm not going to even get into what's in that box. I'm trying to think of like what is the most surprising thing because I don't even have them noted here. There was one game I remember saying to you, "Oh, you're getting rid of dot dot dot," but now I can't remember what it was. Was it? The Imperial Settlers Roll and Write. Are you getting rid of that one? I am getting. I am getting rid of that one. That's where this is now. They're games that I like. It's not like I'm getting rid of things that I don't like. Welcome Two is in there um, mm. as something that I have a lot of the expansions for it. And you know the get the box is not out the door yet. This was very much instincts. Box it up. See how I feel about it. Um, before it really goes out the door. When it comes down to it, for the type of game that they are and the things that I end up wanting to play, the new things that have come in, like I'm just probably going to pick Cartographers over Welcome 2. Not that they're the same game, but that's probably what I'm going to pick over Welcome 2 most of the time. That's kind of a consideration. Um, Sunset Over Water, so it's my pencil first games. I have Floriferous and Herbaceous also. So there's something nice about when you have multiple games by a publisher and they're all the same size and it feels like a set so then to get rid of one of them kind of feels like you're breaking up the set but really i don't think i'll play that one as much i love the way it looks but when it comes down to it it's very simple like icons and you're just moving around trying to pick up these cards like i don't think that i really like the gameplay that much i just kind of like looking at it but i think that tricky tides not really the same thing but in the sense that you set up a grid of cards you move around that grid to get things done uh, I had not played Tricky Tides when I put that game in there, but I think that I really like the way Tricky Tides works more than that one. It's just like a little more interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of big games there. I think the things that kind of pull me away from getting rid of something might be how hard it is to replace. So, you know, Welcome to, I don't think would be hard to get another copy. A lot of things in there is also like, well, if it really came down to it, if this was a boomerang thing where it ended up back in my collection, could I find it again? And for games that like, I don't know if I could, that's where I'm really on the edge. T-Rex's Holiday. I don't I don't think I really like it. I haven't played it that much. We played it, of course, playing through our mm. whole collection. But I realized, I'd laminated some of the sheets, and I realized that it's just three standard D6 in that game. So I was on the fence about whether or not I wanted to get rid of it, because I got it like from, it's I think Taiwanese board game design. I think it came from Taiwan, like actually sort of airmail or something. I just took out some of the laminated sheets, so then I can play it with any D6, and I'm like, you know what? I'll keep the sheets. I will put all of the other paper sheets and everything else back in the box and and then sell it. So send it, send it on to the next. Yeah. So there's a lot of things. There could very well be a separate collection curation episode about more about that stuff. Because yeah, this was this wasn't a lot of months it might be a, a game or two, if anything. And there are, yeah, there are 40 games sitting in the other room that are all on the edge, and then we also have about 10 games that we're going to play one more time to decide should this also go in the pile. So, yeah, there are a lot of games that kind of that whole playthrough, you know, we play through everything in our collection leading into Gen Con, and some of those you just want to come back to more than others. And you have to sort of, it is that line of how Adam was saying, you know, I could hold on to this game, but when am I really going to play it? And and where's the right cutoff there? I think the same is true where we know we're going to play it every year. And it's like, if I'm not really excited to play again, if I'm not really looking forward to playing it again, you know, 
should I really be keeping it? Whole box is Kelly's collection for the month. It two is yeah, it's two boxes. It it's honestly going to be three if some of these games don't make it. So yeah, so you're it's ready quite for a bit. game of the month. I am ready for game of the month. So my game. So I I don't know that I've ever been as conflicted about my game of the month since we've started doing these game of the month episodes. Um, and it seems like a silly thing to be conflicted about. I get to pick, and it doesn't matter. But my game of the month is decorum. Mm-hmm. And the reason mm-hmm. I'm conflicted is because. Towards the end, I have some sort of implementation criticisms for that game. Do you? Yeah, I think um, when as it got harder, there were more and more criteria built into specific conditions, and I I didn't I, I felt like the point okay. system didn't really make the a lot of sense. The point system was and the useless. point system was based on how many criteria I had to fulfill, and there'd be like a criteria, and it'd be like this criteria is actually seven criteria. But it was a co-op game. The point system was useless the whole time. And, and I also think like. The difficulty didn't scale, so it didn't get it Not got even. It got no. harder and then easier and then harder, and it was it was hard to know what to expect. That said, we played through the entire two player campaign. Mm-hmm. This twenty month. games, twenty games. We very much enjoyed it. Yeah, and you should try it if you haven't. It is super fun. Yeah, it's a passive aggressive game of cohabitation. It's one of the games we got from Gen Con. In general, we're kind of going to just as we still are going to play through each one of the games that we got. We played decorum and, you know, played uh, one or two of the little scenarios and they're called in the box. And then it was just like every day, every other day we're like, yes, we're just playing more decorum, right? Like we're just going to keep doing that till we're done. And each of the, the games that you play through, comes with a story and then you yeah. would expect those stories to be independent of one another but they actually weave back and forth so right so different ideas, people it, it's always a person trying to live with another person and how is that going to work but then the stories start intertwining as people are moving in and out and things are happening and so that was really that was really cute and kind of like unnecessary in a way that was delightful yeah and yeah. I think reward you for playing them back to back. Because if we had waited a really long time in between, we wouldn't have remembered who these people were. Because the stories are very short. Honestly, the the criteria aren't so easy to remember that I would be willing to play it again, but try to play it faster to even get more into the story. Yeah, it would be hard to... When you're playing it, you feel like, oh, this is going to be so memorable because you're thinking about it a lot. But honestly, I think a month would go by and... It would be it would be hard There's to no be way. like, oh no right, way. Clive. Yes, I remember. I, remember I thought what he the wanted. components could have been like they have acrylic pieces. The components we are nice. bought acrylic pieces. Oh, to be fair, oh, they don't it, come with acrylic. Pieces. It comes with cardboard, <laughs> and like that is part of the you know overpriced magical ride of commerce that is Gen Con that I got the acrylic pieces because as you keep going, you unlock things we'll and the say other things you, you have new surprises and there are surprises that are not also acrylic and that it gives them it it gives you a mismatch because the things you discover then aren't necessarily the same type of upgraded components and they can't just put the upgraded components in the regular bag because then you wouldn't be yeah. discovering them right I will say, so I didn't expect to like it. I was a little weary about playing a game with you that was entitled or subtitled the passive aggressive cohabitation. Co- pa- passive aggressive cohabitation. But it worked out. I mean, I think we really enjoyed it. I would recommend it to many people and had a great time playing it. Yeah. I was hoping you would pick Decorum because I was thinking that otherwise I would have been compelled to pick Decorum at your service. At my service. I, I picked the thing you wanted me to pick. Oh, I thought you picked it for yourself, though. I hope. Well, it was just a joke. Okay, uh, I'm gonna. I'm not, now gonna. Not a good one. <laughs> I'm gonna break the cycle. I'm gonna go and say that 
my game of the month is going to be, and maybe it should have been my back to the table, but you know what? It's just a fun podcast about board games. It's going to be Turing Machine. Oh, yeah, that's solid. I think that it is, I think it's more of a logic puzzle than really a game. I think that I will like, like you can play it competitively and that's fine. That's a thing. Um, but I don't think that I really have any desire to play it competitively. I'm just fine playing it solo. You can, every day there's a daily challenge where you can go onto like a website. It gives you the setup and then it like tells you how fast the machine beat it. And even that, like, sure, it's nice to know that you did it efficiently, but I don't even really care about that. I think also the idea is that there are all these punch cards inside, which we, I think we did an unboxing. I think that episode's going to come out after this. There's all these punch cards inside and they are either blue, orange, or purple. And they're numbered one through five. You pick three numbers to be the code. So all of this, you're trying to just figure out what is the correct three number code. And there's all these different scenarios that are a combination of these verifiers and these other cards that all together will give you one right answer for a three, three number code. When you go to first play it, it just, I think it either like clicks or it doesn't. And I don't think whether or not it clicks at first determines how good you're going to be at it or how much you're going to like it. It might click for you right away and you not like it. It might be really hard for you to grok what is happening and how these verifiers are supposed to actually link up to the code you need to make. But even once you get over that hump, you might still love it. And I think that is the one thing about the game that is tricky um, because I think it could kind of scare people off who might really like it just because they feel like they can't get the idea of what's going on. Because you'll have a card that'll say something like, this card is going to say the, going to tell you about the number of threes. And when you look at it, it'll say like, there's one, three, two, threes, or three threes. And when you check your three digit number, you're either going to get a yes or a no. That seems inherently confusing, but really what it's doing is telling you for the code you've presented, is this correct or is it not? So if you've presented a code with three threes and you get a check, then the code is three threes. And honestly, then you're done because that's going to be the, that's going to be the code. It always has to be a three number code. If you have one three in it and you get a check, you know, there's one three, but you still don't know which one. So just because you had a blue three in the first slot, that doesn't mean that that's the right three. It just means that there's definitely not two threes. There's definitely not three threes. There's definitely not zero threes, but that one three could be the blue one or the orange one or the purple one. And there'll be more than one of those conditions that are all different that you're trying to get together to figure out what that three digit number ought to be that you're testing it against the machine. So a lot of it, I think if you're trying to get real big brain about it, is figuring out the best like first code to assemble that can tell you the most information or weed out the most information. Like picking numbers closer to the middle might give you more information than picking numbers on the edge because if you know it's, you know, if this number is greater than that number and you have a one, it's like, well, that's all the numbers. So picking something in the middle might help you weed things out. And then you'd be looking at each one of these different conditions to try to say, what is my best three card start? But even then that's still kind of like, that's definitely optimizing and trying to really get inside the game. Just the fact that you put these cards together and compare it and it, it gives you this answer. When you see the cards, they just look like they have random holes in them. 
but it always just kind of works out where you put this card behind and the one hole that lines up from these three random numbers gives you that true or false. Like it's a, just a fun tactile thing to interact with. I think even if you're not doing a good job, you're just playing solo to sort of play with what this is. And a lot of games, you know, we play them and they are games we're playing, but they're very serious and very strategic, very tactical. And this can be that too, but just the actual play with the components, I think is really nice in Turing Machine. I liked it. It took me a second to figure out how the hell it worked because I did have just like a, yeah, that is many And then, but once I understood that it was like a, a validation rule, Instead of like it was, it was a val- it's a Boolean validation, and then I was like, oh, okay, I got it. I don't know what Boolean validation. I'm gonna take your word for that. I watched the Brothers Burf, and Mike was explaining it to Nick. This is a Twitch stream. You, I was just watching it. I wasn't really listening to it, but in the body language, you could see that Mike was trying to explain to Nick, and Nick just had his head in his hand, like just staring forward, attempting to get it. And I think that. That is likely to happen in the explanation and the teaching of this game that it's going to click with someone where they understand kind of what's happening there. And it's probably not going to click with someone where, because Aaron was not arguing with me, but I was like, almost, you, you, you can't possibly be reading the rules right. This almost ha- this has arguing to be, with me. This has to be incomplete. Yeah. In trying to get across like how this is going to work and trying to step through the example. So Once I got it though, we were, we were cooking with gas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where I say that just not getting it first, that's the thing I'd want to caution against. Not getting it first doesn't mean that you won't like it once you get it. And getting it right away doesn't mean that you'll like it. I love it. Yeah. So, took me yeah. a second. Love it. Would play it right now if you popped it on the table. Yeah, and I think I still... Now, what do you think? Do you Would you want to play it? You probably would want to play it competitively. Oh, absolutely I would. Okay, yeah. What, but it, it does have of, a one-player mode. What, what so. kind of... Qu- I, I like with you, I would rather play it comp- uh, like cooperatively the way we yeah. did, where we like didn't follow any rules. We just together no, tried to solve the code. We just tried to solve the code. And that was very nice. I don't yeah. think I want to play it competitively against you, but against, yeah. against, against anybody, someone else. Against someone else whose emotional state I care less about. Absolutely. Uh, Let's play competitively. Yeah, 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 yeah. Would it be fair to say that this sounds like to me different instructions also may hit people differently? Is this a good game to maybe like watch a few YouTube explanations? Because maybe somebody's just going to explain it in a way that will make sense and somebody won't on that. And that's just the nature of some games. I think that's, I think that's definitely possible. And really, I, I think for me, just interacting with the pieces, like, it made sense once I saw the pieces together. I agree with that. And I think part of the thing, like when Kelly's explaining a game to me from the rules, I often try to like predict the next rule in the game because that's just how, so I'm like, Ooh, I'll try to ask like, what's the thing? And she's like, that's the next line of the rule book. If you would just be quiet. Yeah. Usually I'm like, that's why we're reading the rules so that we can learn. The, the, the mechanic and Turing machine is so very specific that you can't do that. And I was doing that and it didn't work out. And the rule book, if I'm remembering correctly, is not long. It's a, it's a, it's a dead (laughs) simple mechanic. You just need to, you just, so I think that's the thing. I think think you could read it and be like, I don't know what this even told me. If you try to figure it out without reading the rules, you will make potentially an assumption that will make it harder for you to understand. So what happened is Mm. I tried to imagine how the game was going to be played, and that kept me from figuring out what you were telling me, I believe, if I go back. Because I was looking at those cards, and I was looking at the facts, and I'm like, well, there's three facts on there. So there has to be three. I was thinking there would be three Booleans. So like, this is true, that is not true, this is true, based on like the card itself. But there's just one result, and it's comparing the inputs. And I was like, okay... But I yeah, was because it almost feels like something that it shouldn't be able to do with paper. I had made up a set of rules that were different 
than what the game was, and it was causing me consternation and frustration. Yeah, yeah. that seems that seems. But I agree with Adam. I I think that's not a bad insight at all. I think if you watch a YouTube video and you're like, ah, just find another one because it'll 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 it'll, it'll click. Yeah. or take the game out like Kelly said and like play with it because it like if you see yeah. it work, you're like, okay, I got it. And I, it is true that you can take any you can take any three cards because there's the number cards that have the punch outs in them. There's these verifier. I can't remember what they give the two different names of the other cards. There's these cards that are rectangles and cards that are squares. The rectangle ones say something about the relationship of the numbers. And then you put a square card. And this is all given to you as part of the setup, whether you use the app or the website or you use one of like the 20 or so that come in the book. It tells you, put out these numbers of rectangle cards, because they each have a number on them. Put out these numbers of the square cards, and they have to match up with the right rectangle card, so it's verifying it accurately. But when you take any three numbers and put them together, you'll see there's just one hole, and then you'll take one of those square cards and see just that there's gonna, it's going to show you either an X or a check mark. Yeah, and I, I think... And I think a good way to explain it that, that I thought of just now is mm -hmm. like, when you get the code right... It's going to show you a check mark. No matter, like you hold those three cards up, and then you put any one of the, the five tests in front of yes. you. It's going to show a check mark for every test. Yeah. So you're very, you're just passing every test. Yes. With yes. Those cards. Yes. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, you are looking for you're looking for the set of numbers that passes every test. You don't need the set of numbers to pass some tests. It has yeah. to pass every one of the tests to know that you have the right code. Yeah. And I imagine that there's only one right answer. I, I presume so. Yeah, but we played, oh, and actually not on the list. We played, we played Exit, Lord of the Rings Exit, and there was that Lord puzzle of the Rings that Exit gone both is ways. not on there, and we did feel as though we had a puzzle that could go both ways. We, I did, I did not log it. It was a, a two day event for us because we started it and then it got too late, had to finish it the next day. I don't want to talk about it in public. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what I don't really know what that means. Uh, I just but I just want to be I want to be salty about it, and I don't feel like it right now. Yeah, and we wouldn't want to talk too much about it anyway, because if you wanted to play it, that would ruin the this whole is, thing of it. Yeah, and this yeah. is also game of the month episode, not yeah. game you hated part but of the episode. But that maybe that would have been in your collection, which is inevitably true. It is already in the trash. But can I think anytime you buy an, anytime you buy an exit game, it's in the collection. What do you? Like, but it could be your game of the month. I suppose that's true. If you it really wasn't. liked it, no. I think a, no. I think in a different. Like, I just, yeah, I didn't like it, but it's not the topic of. I've, I've messed up this section. Game no, of the it's month, okay. Decorum. We're just here. Touring Listen, machine. Yes, yes. It's just here to give us a format so that we. I mean, we'll inevitably just keep talking about games otherwise. And now over to Adam. I would like to know Adam's game of the month. Yes. So I believe I'm in a bit of a unique position here. I don't believe I attended last month's Game of the Month, so I believe I am in a super month situation here. Okay, okay. Between the two months. So because of that, I will be picking Princes of Florence as my oh. Game of the Month. Oh, yeah. Which was the end of last month, I believe yeah. we played that. So still very close to this month. Uh, super fun game. It's fun every time we play it, and then we go a full year without playing it again every time we play it, I feel like. Mm -hmm. It never seems to make our, our play often, but I think in general we enjoy it. It's got auction-style bidding for a piece you're going to take or the, you know, the piece mm -hmm. you're going to implement on that, which I think is super fun. Uh, 
Kelly, you may want to speak more to this than me, but they're coming out with a revamped version of this as yes. well. So kind of some timely news yes. with the game of the month. Yes. They, they're coming out with a new version. It's going to, like, all new art. I think there's going to be new game modes. There might be a solo mode. Hmm. With all that, I'm going to get the new version. I'm not going to keep the version that we have, which is quite classic and beige. Oh, yeah, the version we have. Very beige. So it's technically yeah. in the collection. Yes, yes, yes. But, but I'm excited to see new. what changes they make. We, mm-hmm. we kind of, after that game, talked about some, like, strategies, and is it a really that balanced of a game, potentially, or how to make it balanced through the different auction mechanisms, or bidding mechanisms, I should say. So maybe they'll fix some of that stuff, and there'll be a different implementation. Yeah, I think- yeah. What, what's the mechanic that you exploited in the game, Adam? The what's the thing? Is it the Joker or the Jester? The, the Jester. It's the Jester that I played. I don't think I exploited anything. I believe I played no. the game as it was meant to be played. For the record, <laughs> well, I think, because I think you were bidding up the builder. Yeah, I, I kind of yeah. went hard in so and, then lo- and lost. Pretty Adam good. was just getting free. Oh, uh, he was exploiting the builders. Let's be clear. But yeah. that's how we played. I was the game exploiting now, the builders. There Adam, you go. I, I, I do think uh, it'll be interesting to see what changes they made. I think. Uh, if you're playing the game with anyone, I think the the go whole hog on the jester strategy is, I think, the best strategy in the game, except it becomes immediately not the best strategy as soon as two people try it. I think that's true about everything in that. So that's, I think, what Adam was talking about. Like, maybe yeah. it's balanced, maybe it's not balanced. But it's if, if you let someone go jester on a, uh, you know, un, uncompeted with, it's going to be hard to beat them. Well, I think that's why it has to be a three or more player game, which not a lot of those get to stay in our collection just for somewhat obvious reasons of how much we end up playing two-player games. So I kind of wonder with the new one, with the different game modes, what they're changing and how they're kind of addressing some of those things. Because I don't even know that it's... Maybe it's better even at four. Does it go up to five? than it is at three. Yeah, is it on I'm the shelf? Sure. Can we tell? No, it's... I, I think it does go up to five. I don't think we've ever played it at five, though. No, I don't think so. I don't think we have either. So, yeah, it might be even better than... I think they're going to make the buildings... In the original version, the buildings all look basically the same. I think they're going to make them look different in addition to having all sorts of other upgrades. So I think beyond just the fact that they're giving it a new look to improve it, generically speaking, I think they're also going to try to improve it for gameplay. So that should be... I don't know when it's coming out, but uh, that was announced maybe... Or at least it was mentioned in news in the last couple weeks. Yeah, but but I thought... thought uh, I, I thought, in 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 spite of my uh, my observation that you exploited a part of the game, I thought I thought your playthrough was was quite successful and well thought out, Adam. Oh well, thank you. I do appreciate it. It's a fun game. I yeah, think it it's a fun. good one. Yeah, it was it was pretty solid. Like I think a lot of times you put Adam and me in an auction game, we break it a little bit, and it's it's pretty fun. I think that's what happened in that game. We're it ridiculous. Work for me. We know we are. It is maybe the worst thing for you and I to do That's what happened in Lizard Wizard. I think it was Lizard with uh, no, is it Lizard Wizard or Raccoon the other one? Tycoon? Raccoon oh, right. Tycoon. <laughs> I think you refused yeah. to play that basically after the first time we played it. It was just like everything was so expensive, and I was just like, forget get this. Uh, That's how I, you know, I'm sure it's how people feel about inflation right now. It's like, God, I'll just go home and grow my own food. Like it was, I, I stop understanding what the value of anything is, and I know that it's meant to be like that's the whole fun. But for me, that is. Like I'm like I'm just gonna lose. I, I can't I can't keep up with what's going on here. Uh, I can't keep up with the markets. I yeah. regularly think in those games I will die before I let Aaron get dot 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 whatever piece. So right. you know, I'm bringing that kind of mental energy. You know. Yeah, that's that's gonna there, so. that's gonna have an effect. That's gonna have an effect. I'm gonna say it'll as a last the party, slightly. 
<laughs> yeah, it, ups, it upsets the mark. As a last parting shot, that the Jekyll and Hyde that we played Adam on BGA, which we ended up have ended up playing in real time to finish it because we both were like, mm-hmm. we don't know what's happening. Seems like a very interesting two-player trick-taking game where you are trying to be, but you're between, you're really one person, but each one of you is trying to be more Dr. Jekyll or more Hyde, like you're trying to be one or the other. So one person is trying to keep the number of tricks that are taken even between the two people. The other person is trying to have it be really imbalanced between the two people. And it doesn't matter who has more, you just want it to be imbalanced. And there's these potions and there's some other things going on. But I did want to just, we've talked a lot about trick-taking this episode. It's unofficially, trick-taking is really the thing that what, was this and I month. Think, and that's why I want to kind of throw it in here at the end. It's very interesting. I think if I was going to cheat and give two games of the month, the game no. of the month would be a game that I didn't play this month, which is The Crew. And I know Tricky Tides is old, but I think in general, The Crew inspired some new thought and creativity around trick-taking, and I'm for oh. it. Oh, uh, Tricky Tides was 2019? Well, tricky, tricky Tides was before The Crew. And it was could, it? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't remember when The Crew came out. I don't know what year but, it was. But yeah, like it's super exciting to see, to see all these trick-taking games. Like different, like Cat in the Box and then yeah. Jekyll and Hyde and like yeah. just different ways to interact with a very old mechanic and a yeah. mechanic that I love to play. Because Jekyll and Hyde does a similar thing to Fox in the Forest, but Fox mm-hmm. in the Forest tells you what the optimal... Um, ratio needs to be like you want to have exactly this many more than the other person for the most points right so this does the same thing where for two players like how do you manage that well you have to want to lose tricks sometimes for it to work for right. a trick tank game between two people if it's not co-op um so yeah this was yet an, still that same thing and yet another take on it so i agree with that that you kind of feel like if you've played traditional trick-taking games, card games, that there's sort of this one approach with it and how much creativity has come into that mechanism. Yeah. Whether recently co-op or two players where you get rewarded. Yeah. yeah. I've had a blast with all of the, the new trick-taking games that I've been exposed to. Yep. Job done. Did it. Thank you so much for listening to episode 70. Be sure to subscribe to know when new episodes drop. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch at Variant Hex. We have a website and a blog at VariantHex.com, and you can email us at podcast at VariantHex.com. We've set up our recording studio in our gaming area and reorganized our game shells. If you follow us on Instagram, I'll probably put a picture of that up soon. The new setup is more streaming friendly, but that doesn't mean we'll actually stream anything, as we haven't for the last year but our twitch channel does auto host other board game streamers so if you check in there you may see some other awesome gamers that you'd like to watch the next episode will be probably adam and i unboxing some games from gen con that's the last one in the backlog for now unless you're listening to these in reverse in which case you have 69 more episodes headed your way the next one being all about our tips and tricks for gen con 2023 and that's all for now thank you so much for spending your time with us today (laughs) 